Welcome back to another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, and uh, man, this has just been like three weeks of nonstop Lions action here. And uh, last week as we recorded, it was uh, a few days after Matthew Stafford had, or news at least leaked out that Matthew, Matthew Stafford had asked for a trade. Now, obviously, that trade has been completed uh, unofficially. Um, you know, it, it agreed to, I guess, would be the phrasing. They can't complete it till March 17th. But Matthew Stafford headed to the Rams. Jared Goff and uh, third-round pick this year, first-round pick next year, first-round pick the year after, coming back to Detroit. So, uh, Nick, it, hmm. it feels like we've been talking about <laughs> the Stafford rumors for years. Yeah. Got to the breaking point this offseason. Finally happened. Uh, what, did, what were you, was your initial reaction as we heard about this? Why did it? My well, my initial reaction was why did we have to do this again on a Saturday night at ten o'clock <laughs> yeah, or whatever? But, right, I mean, yeah. I think I understand. It was a it was a pretty hotly contested national story there among the uh, among the folks. So I assume that's why everybody wanted everybody wanted to get it done basically to the minute that it was done. But either way, uh, not surprising on our end, I guess. I think from the Rams side of things, um, you know, maybe. I guess a little more to adjust to, but I think folks in Detroit, like you said, Chris, had had years maybe even to get used to this idea or and in and locally anyway, even though it hadn't really been clear, I guess, what, until a couple of weeks ago that the lines were open to trading Stafford. I think that in the back of our minds, we all were pretty prepared for it. So the, the last question was, what are you going to get? What are you going to get back? And, you know, two, you just said it, two ones and a three. I, I, or is it three ones? No, two ones, two and, ones a three. and a three. Yep. Two ones and a three for Stafford in addition to what you have right now. Uh, the extra first rounder. I, I mean, to be honest, we've heard all these things about, you know, who else offered what and what have you. Nobody else, to my knowledge, right, offered the extra first rounder. So when you're looking at all the other things you can do now after this, and I know a lot of people, and we'll get into Jared Goff and his attachment to his trade, and a lot of people fixated on that. And for some reasons, I suppose that's fine, but the draft capital hall here, keeping in mind that this is a rebuilding situation. Um, that was a ton. I, I mean, that was more than I probably thought they were going to get to be quite honest uh, for him. It just looks a little different and you didn't get as much in the immediate. That's not necessarily doesn't mean that you can't flip it for more in the immediate. So for me, we'll see about the contract and how all that works out, I guess. Uh, and what, what, what will, you know, if it's in the way or whatever, when they're trying to build things, but the, the picks, uh, how do you argue? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I saw people complaining about the picks, and I'm just like, what? How are you arguing? <laughs> how are you complaining about that? That's a ton of draft capital. And it, for me, it changes everything about what Brad Holmes, like Brad Holmes now to me has a chance to do what he wants to do. Like he didn't have yep. a chance three weeks ago, and now he does. And I think that that's the difference. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. And I think it, it, you're right. It, it's getting overlooked a little bit because – a, there's not the extra first rounder this year. There have been teams that offered the first rounder this year, and right. Uh, B, I, I mean the the concern, I guess, and a lot of Detroit fans are probably rooting for Stafford to go there and do well. But the concern from a roster building standpoint is that I guess the Rams, you know, win the NFC Championship yeah. the next two years, and you pick thirty first or thirty second twice in a row uh, right. on top of whatever you have yourself, and that uh, obviously lessens some of the impact of this coming back. But I, I mean, I, I think there's a chance too, that you're getting pick 20 yeah, or pick 18 yeah. or, you know, or I, I don't think we can, 10. I don't right. think it's out of the question. Yeah. I don't think we can totally eliminate the possibility that the Rams miss the playoffs and that these picks right. end up being pretty good. Um, as you said, we'll get into golf. Cause I think that that's very interesting part of this and the financial aspect of it um, sort of brings into focus what this offseason is going to be for the Lions. But yeah, in terms of the capital, I mean, um, I heard from a league source that night that there were seven or eight teams in it at the end. At least Mm. five or six had first round picks of some sort on the table. I think you're right. We haven't heard anything since then to dispel the notion that the Rams are the only team to put two first round picks out there. I think some of that's because the Lions took the golf contract, but in right. terms of the draft capital, I think they're the only team um, to put out the the two first rounders. Uh, ben Standig, our Washington beat reporter, confirmed that that Washington offered a first and a third this year, which is pick nineteen, and then wherever they are in round three. So that's right. yeah. a lot of what we heard that night was Washington's offer is better right now, and right I now. think obviously that's true. I guess. Um, 
And then Carolina is the other big one. You know, Albert, Albert Breer over at the MMQB reported that Carolina offered up uh, number eight this year and a late round pick, and they were like on the doorstep of getting this thing done when the Rams swooped in with their extra offer as Stafford and McVay were having drinks in Cabo mm. or whatever the story <laughs> Ex- is. Accidentally whatever under the moonlight. happening whatever. there. Oh but God. Uh, I don't know. Where do you stand? If Carolina did, let's just assume that those yeah. those were the two other big offers. And, uh, you know, Washington 19 and and uh, third and Carolina eight and something on day three. Uh, are those better offers than what Detroit got? Well, I I think it depends on what you want to do. And I think it depends on where you're at. And the Lions, despite, you know, scaring people, I feel like back in November, December, when when Sheila and Rod Wood would say, like, we were a little closer than you guys think we are. And I think that that scared people. But like the reality was, is like they were always going to need to be in a position to add more picks and rebuild. But I guess if you're in a situation where, you know, you wanted to do that, but you didn't want to give up, um, you know, the ability to pick where you are at seven and you wanted to get a quarterback or whatever. I I don't know. I mean, like, I guess it depends on what you want to do. But for me, you know, immediate help right now via one trade versus, you know, what you got from the Rams, which also gives you the, the ability to do exactly what we would be talking about if they traded with Carolina. To me, this trade still gives them more flexibility to do, like, Anything they want draft wise, the, the 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 contract and everything else, and, and that's important, and we can talk about that. But like draft wise, what they got back from all the things that we've read about, you know, the Washington's, you know, first and third. Uh, I actually I actually went through that in a mock based on what you know we got what they got back from uh, um, the Rams and then put it back in and traded down and they the Washington draft it would have worked it would have been good if if you did that and that alone, but you would have had nothing else beyond that. You could still do exactly that. Right now, in theory, and still have you know an extra first round pick. You could flip one of those picks, still trade with Washington. In theory, they'd still need a quarterback and get some of what they were offering you, and still have a great draft. And you're still going to have extra on top of it. I just I don't think that there's any. If you're looking at this beyond what's your record going to be next season, which everyone should be, um, this was the best trade as far as I can uh, I, from a draft perspective. I don't know if there is a better one that we've heard of. Certainly, if if there was, then we haven't, I don't think, heard it yet. Yeah, and it's hard. Um, you know, I, I kind of wrote about this after talking with Dan Campbell on uh, Sunday, whatever day. It was. I guess it was Sunday because he made fun yeah. of me for an he, uh, he He told me <laughs> I, he told me I should have been at church because it was Sunday. Oh, okay. So it was a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I wrote about this. That this is a it, – it's tough to do this. And, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, around here we have lots of experience with teams asking the fan bases yeah, right. to do this of late. But, the, you know, the Pistons and the Red Wings and the Tigers all just are, are doing this exact thing. But you look out ahead and say, all right, well, if we're going to try and build this the right way and do it over two, three years, we need as many impact mm-hmm. draft picks as we can get. So, yes, eight this year, to have seven and eight this year, would have been interesting on a number of fronts. Obviously, you either stay there and take two good players or you try and trade up and get a quarterback or whatever, but you're right. I mean, I think people are sort of overlooking how impactful, not just even if they sit there and take those picks and make those extra first-rounders the next few years, but from a draft, like trade capital perspective, to be able to say, we got two first-rounders each of the next two years. We want to come up. Tell us what we need to do. I think yeah. that that makes things really interesting. And we sort of talked about, too, as we were you know, going through some of these scenarios. Uh, I mentioned, like, if something happened, maybe the board is winds up being pretty screwy at the draft. And one of these guys, you know, Trey Lance slides to 20. Or Mac mm-hmm. Jones is uh, there at 30, and you love the guy. Yeah. Now you have an extra first rounder to say, all right, well, maybe we can go back in this year. Um, and so I think that there's just so many options on the table now, um, you know, and I think there's also, uh, I think people are maybe a little bit hesitant because of Holmes connection to the Rams. And we just saw that with Bob right, Quinn and yeah. the Patriots. I think, you know, there's also this idea that they did Stafford a favor. Clearly, you know, if he was hanging out with McVeigh as his trades going down, like that was a place that it seemed like he maybe wanted to go anyway. And, um, but uh, you know, the, what they got back is entirely fair and maybe even oh yeah I, a, a win for the lions if you just stack things up so i don't know that that 
like I don't think you can criticize Brad Holmes for making a trade with his former team or for doing right by Stafford if that's what he did. Like that's right. That's fine. <laughs> Go do I that this, if you get fair return. I think this brought out some weird feelings for a lot of people in in weird ways. I don't even know if any of them were bad necessarily. It was just different. And in some ways it felt like people reacting uncomfortably because they've never seen this before, right? We heard about this a couple times from people like the Lions have never and they've had, you know, they've had <laughs> franchise players want out of here. Yeah. And they've right. never done this. They've never they've never sat down with the person and negotiated. Not to, not even that. I don't even think I would say they negotiated something with Stafford. They were just like, you know, Dan Campbell talked, I believe he, he talked to you. He was in the loop. He, he yeah. was in the loop on it. And like he, he advised, I guess advised is the right word, right? Like Dan Campbell would say that, that Stafford sort of helped him go through the roster and said, this is, the, you know, look at this, look at that. This area is pretty good. Maybe you need some help here. This was weird, and it was different, you know, com- compared to what we've seen from the Lions in the past. And I feel like, in some ways, people were waiting for them to just get like fleeced, or waiting for Stafford to be like, "Screw them! I demand a trade," you know, like. And then it sort of didn't happen, and then it was revealed that he wanted to go to the Rams all along. And I feel like some people sort of reacted to like, "Was Stafford like trying to like act like he was trying to play nice just so he could get what he wanted?" But it, which is probably somewhat accurate, but at the same time, like. They did get a lot back, and I think that that's, like, the Rams pushed everything into this. Like, this is, you know, for their next two- or three-year window here, they have to win a Super Bowl, or this was a disaster, or they have to get back to one, I would say. And so they put a ton into this. This was a lot that's coming back here. This is a massive return. There's no, if you were sitting there Saturday night complaining about what the Lions got back in terms of draft picks, then you are in serious need of like a rehabilitation on how it is you watch football, because that is a ton. Like there's no other way to say it. You, you can be scared that the lions are now convinced that Jared Goff is their long-term answer at quarterback, or they don't know what else to do at quarterback or anything else. But just in the here and now, right here, right now for what they got back from Stafford and how that thing was operated, it was the best high profile move they've probably ever made. I think we could probably say that, right? I mean, like the rest of them, these guys were walking out of here. You got nothing back. That's how, that's how you stay where you were. You know, Barry Sanders walks out the door and you get nothing. Calvin Johnson walks out the door and you get nothing because you didn't work. Sue, nothing. Like, this was, you got something here. The only other times I can remember, how many times have they really made big trades, Chris, in, in the last, like, 15, 20 years that involves, like, I can remember them trading Roy Williams one time. And I'm not a Lions history expert here. Yeah, the Roy saying. Williams trade, they yeah. got a pretty good return on that one. They kind of fleeced There's not the, a ton of these. the Cowboys. Yeah. But that, right. yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, otherwise, you're talking about Slay for, like, whatever it right. was, a for third. Whatever, and, because you yeah. wanted out. And you were like, you had no choice. You had to trade him, right? And, you know, this was not that. So it was a little uncomfortable for a lot of people. I feel like it's just because it was different. But, no, I mean, I don't know how else you look at at their draft return, I mean, it's it, we went through the mock, the second mock that we did with all the scenarios. There's so many things they could do here, including just staying put, not doing anything, and they would still yeah. have a better draft than they would have, you know, prior to. So, you know, all things considered, the cap is the cap, and that's a situation they're going to have to deal with. But from a pick standpoint, we they went from looking at five draft picks, two of them pretty good, to now possibly you could have seven or eight and. Maybe five or six of them are pretty good. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I mean, they did get an extra third rounder this year. They now have seven. You know, they're still sitting at seven, and it, it's pretty clear that they're not drafting to make the playoffs this year. So right. uh, that one, I would think, would be on the table. Yeah, <laughs> you know, again. maybe you still trade with Washington and mm-hmm. and go back. And I know you, you played with that a little bit too. So um, just, you know, on Stafford, um, yeah. I just had kind of two – final thoughts i know we want to get to golf too but um first off i don't think it's a surprise to anyone who's paid attention to just the like type of professional he is that this Mm -hmm. is how the exit has happened then he went to the team and said i see where this is headed you know i see what the roster looks like what you're going to try to do with these hires i'm going to be 33 i've been here for 12 years can you just try to find me something that makes sense (laughs) it and that was sort of how it was pitched by people in that organization it wasn't Matthew demanded a trade. It was Matthew suggested maybe we look at a trade. <laughs> we yeah. talked about it, and yeah. we got to the a point where we agreed upon it mutually. And you know, there's some spin in there for sure. But yeah, um, it wasn't where he said, "I'm not showing up next year if you don't get rid of me." Mm-hmm. Um, it was. I, I think this is going to be best for both sides, and uh, so I don't think that that's any surprise. I think the Rams fans are going to, you know, they're going to love him. The team will love him out there. He's always. 
conducted himself in just the most uh, professional, like low-key way you yeah. could ask a quarterback to conduct himself. And I don't think it's a surprise either that Dan Campbell called him up and said, all right, look, we know you're leaving, but tell me what you know about this place and about this roster and right. that Stafford did it. And he certainly didn't have to do that. So um, I think that's just another uh, you know, the point in his column. And then the other thing is <laughs> – I don't really know where to slot this in in our conversation, but I just found it interesting. The first, obviously, Stafford got drafted after they went 0-16. Those first couple years, he was banged up. The team was a disaster. These last three years have been a train wreck. This idea that there was absolutely never any talent around him in the seven years between that... It's not true. No. <laughs> you know, it wasn't it has it's not a great organization by any means. There yeah. were a lot of issues from the top on down, coaching, coordinators, front office. But as we talked about last week, that 2014 team might have been good enough to make the Super Bowl. It had a great defense. His mm-hmm. receivers here have been Calvin Johnson, you know, Nate Burleson, Anquan Bolden, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate. I mean, there have been pieces here this isn't an 0 and 16 team for 12 years so yeah no you know he's certainly going to a better situation from a roster standpoint but I I also think that you know we've kind of you know there's just this uh maybe the national opinion I guess is just to sort of lump everything that Stafford's had here for 12 years into the same category and I think there's a little more nuance to it than that as, as you're trying to figure out well what can he do with a good team what can he do if if things are clicking around him, because they had a, at least a couple of those opportunities and they didn't take advantage of it. And I just feel like I needed to put that out in the universe before we move on <laughs> from Stafford. That's a hundred percent fair because it's true. Like you just said it, they've had, they had a couple teams actually, not just one. They had a couple stretches where they had, you know, a lot of really nice talent on both sides that it was, you know, for whatever reason it didn't work out, but yeah, no, this wasn't the bad news bears. Like he wasn't sitting <laughs> sitting here for twelve years with like walk-ons on his team or whatever else. And I and I and I do wonder sometimes if some of some people are getting a little bit ahead of themselves on that just because they're they really want to see Stafford succeed and everything else. And I understand that, but like, no, I mean they had their opportunities here, uh, and you know, in a couple different those are well documented. Everybody knows that, but you know, I think that the last couple of years have probably colored this differently for a lot of people in that you think about quarterbacks a lot sometimes, or at least I know I do. And you say to yourself, like, when are the, when is their best year? When, like, when are they at their best? And you, you would think that, you know, in Stafford's last three to five years, that should have been his best. That should have been the time yeah. mm-hmm. when the Lions were like, okay, this is, we're, we, we got it now. We've worked out some wrinkles. Like, I feel like a lot of his best chances with the Lions still did come when he was pretty young, you know, in his mid to early 20s, a couple there in the late-ish 20s. But now that he's in his early 30s, you would, you know, we've heard quarterbacks in the past say, you know, you're 28, 29, 30. That's when, you know, mentally you really become, you know, the guy that you want to be or the player that you want to be as a, you know, you're seeing the whole game. You've been through all the bad stuff, some of the good stuff. You've seen everything. You're ready to go. If your body's working with you, that can really be some productive years. And and that was a thing where, you know, these last couple to see them sort of squandered, uh, I think that's the thing that bothers most folks. But no, to to just say that they had nothing here is is just crazy too. And, you know, we we talk about this. It's been super fascinating to see people's reactions, you know, really the last couple of years, I guess, but in the last couple of days anyway, nationally to to Stafford as opposed to locally. And it's the same old, same old, I suppose, all the time with a star athlete that, you know, locally you have a large chunk of people here that don't think he was ever good enough to to get it done. And nationally, you got you got Dan Orlovsky out here acting like he was, uh, you know, the greatest quarterback in the world that has been wow. held hostage for 12 years. So, like, <laughs> no. it's a weird duo. But, yeah, no, to your point, it's a, it's a it needs to be added to the conversation, that context, because this is not a – this is – this is a great opportunity for Stafford. It's a great situation. I totally understand why he wanted it. Uh, you know, his fit with the offense, I think, is going to be really good. I think it would have fit well with Indy, too. But I get this. It's not a slam dunk, and it is not a guarantee that this is going to be a Super Bowl team. It is not a slam dunk that next year's number one for the Lions coming back is 32. Okay? Like, that's – I mean, it could be 15. We don't know. So we'll see how it goes. But I think your point is fair, that this isn't – a promise that they're going to just automatically be 15 and one and he's going to be the MVP. He might. And that's going to be really hard for Lions fans to see, but I don't think it's a dunk. And that's kind of the thing with Stafford that's still left to prove. 
Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure he will get out there and just turn it loose, and mm-hmm. it'll be great for at least a little while. And it'll be fun to watch these uh, yeah, last three years, like like you're saying. I mean, as we've talked about a ton, the start, the first half of the 2019 season was mm-hmm. probably as well as he's ever played in his career, and they were three, four, and one because <laughs> the defense and the coaching staff was right. just awful. So right. it, there is. Absolutely truth to the idea that, you know, the Lions didn't help him out enough. But again, I, you know, there was at least a little bit of a window in there where he had an opportunity. They had an opportunity to do some things and they didn't. So again, yeah, I just, uh, there's, it is, this always happens when someone like of this caliber gets moved and you think, well, now it's going to, this is going to be it. It's going to happen now. Um, but yeah, they're going. He's going into a really tough division. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. I think it'll be fun to if people can get past seeing him in another uniform. <laughs> uh, it'll be fun to watch. And uh, as for here, uh, Jared Goff, you know, as of the night the Lions made the trade, Jared, the plan was to move forward with Jared Goff as the starting quarterback for 2021 and sort of see where they went with their from there. Doesn't right. rule out that they'll draft a quarterback. Doesn't rule out that they'll trade for a young guy that some other teams doesn't want. I mean, whatever the situation may be, um, I think everything's still on the table. But Jared Goff coming in here with the expectation that he's going to be the starter. I know you had a piece up looking at Anthony Lynn's run game, what the Lions might be getting there. I know you've been watching some Goff over the last couple of days here. Uh, it's it's an interesting fit with what Lynn likes to do yeah. and some of what Goff can and maybe – more to the point, can't or hasn't been able right, to do. Right. But what do you think about what the Lions have here? Like, is this even feasible that the offense can be competitive next year? Well, um, it's going to depend on a couple things. You know, number one, they've got to be able to keep him upright. You know, we all know now this has been well documented, and you know, Jordan has written about this, and others here at the Athletic have too. That you know, Goff's numbers against pressure are. <laughs> Just terrible. I mean, like, and they've and they've never been great. But you know, the first couple of years with McVeigh, they were manageable. And then you know, the Rams had some issues up front, and you know, the twenty eight to twenty nineteen dip that Goff suffered, which you know has bled into twenty twenty, which was just. I mean, he is not as he. I refuse to believe he is his vanilla as he was last year, given what we've seen in previous years from him. But you know, I guess we'll see. But the pressure stuff with him, he really struggles with that. I think the ability to um, athletically, he's you know he's a little stiff. Um, you know, not a great improvisational quarterback. I would I would suggest not that Stafford is you know Mahomes or anything, but I think people probably took for granted and will be reminded of such. They probably took for granted yeah, a few right. things about Stafford. Number one, his ability and willingness um, to leave the pocket. Not just to, you know, maybe pick up a first down here and there that we've seen him do over the years with his feet, but like, you know, there was that clip the other day that went around, I think it was yesterday, maybe two days ago, um, that that clip that Stafford hurt his shoulder in Cleveland in his mm-hmm. rookie year. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Remember this? The, the yep. Where he's running all over the place and it was probably a careless <laughs> thing that he did, but, you know, we saw Stafford do that plenty over the years. Goff's never going to do that. That's not going to be a thing. He's, you know, he's a guy that if your system is working, if... You know, you're staying in front of the chains a little bit. You're giving him a chance with a competitive run game, and you're you're asking him to make manageable to moderately difficult throws. He's probably going to be really good for you, which is exactly what was the case, you know, in 2018 when he was, you know, he was the best play action quarterback in the league. Um, he was manageable against pressure. He didn't. He didn't take a ton of deep shots, but he took like a moderate amount and he hit enough to where, you know, they had some guys around him that, you know, would make those things happen to where what people in Detroit are used to seeing is that if there's 10 opportunities deep, Stafford is going to take eight of them, maybe nine of them. If there's 10 opportunities deep for Goff, he's going to take four of them, (laughs) maybe five of them. Stafford's probably going to make more than Goff. And I think that that's the difference here is that Stafford's improvisational abilities, his arm, all those things that kind of turn a good quarterback into a whoa quarterback. Stafford has a lot of that. Goff doesn't have as much of that, although I don't know if I would argue that he has none of that. I, it's a very fascinating conversation with Jared Goff because of his attachment to McVay. And part of me wonders with Anthony Lynn if his reputation as a guy who is, above all, um, someone that players 
really like working with, um, that mm-hmm. they trust and that, you know, he helps make them comfortable. Like that was a big thing for Justin Herbert. Like if Anthony Lynn can get Jared Goff into comfortable spaces and they can keep him standing upright, I think he could be better than most people in Detroit seem to be willing to, to go right now in terms of their, their expectations. But that's, that's going to be a big if they have to have a plan for him for sure, because it's not going to be a slam dunk. And he's, I think it's important to note, um, he's going to need a little bit of uh, mental, management here because I think he's probably a little rattled this was you know the McVay's intense and that went from Super Bowl to falling apart we want you out of here and you know a blink of an eye so we'll see how it goes (laughs) but I think the the mental part of it's gonna be a big deal for him yeah I I think you're right I think they probably need to do need to do a little bit of fixing there yeah with the mental part but I think they're the flip side of it is maybe you get Goff out of that relationship with McVay and that just naturally makes things a little more comfortable for him. It obviously was kind of fell apart at the end there. So um, uh, as we talk about quarterbacks who were ready for an, another, a new mm-hmm. start, um, you know, certainly that's, that's a guy who could have used one. And and so it'll be interesting to see him here. I, you know, I, it's, it's weird with golf. Cause I think back to just studying him so much coming out of college. Right. Um, and that was before I was covering the Lions. That was when, you know, I was covering more of a national beat. So I mm-hmm. was doing a lot on that draft class. And that was a guy who a lot of the things you're talking about now were the issues then. And a lot yeah. of the positives he has now were the positives then, which is, I think the arm is there. Like it he, is. Was a, yeah. he was an accurate, he, he was a really good, accurate thrower yeah. in college and, you know, they sort of took advantage of that with, um, you know, it was a lot of uh, sort of West Coast style stuff, but they let him stretch the field at Cal. And um, so when he got drafted, it wasn't, well, he needs to be in this exact system. There was some upside to him mm-hmm. no matter where he landed. And so I think that, you know, we're not that far removed from when he was the number one overall pick and when yeah. he was playing all that well. Like if you go back to that 2018 season, like that, that was the year that uh, the Rams and Chiefs played that incredible yeah, Monday nighter that was for like 54 51 I think off through for 400 some yards and four touchdowns and and they beat Mahomes and so there's certainly some talent to work with there and it's just a matter of you know what this is going to look like in the Lions system and to be fair we don't entirely know what the Lions system is going to be I mean no. I think we have an idea for what Anthony Lynn wants to do and and what he wants to do again you wrote about specifically with the run game but I don't know who the wide receivers are going to be. I don't know who the number two tight end is. Like, there's a lot of things. I don't know who the number two running back is. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be worked out before we know uh, exactly what this looks like. But, um, I, I mean, I guess I can understand wanting to get a quarterback back in this deal and making sure that you're not just totally scrambling moving forward. So, you know, I think he's a golf is a guy who at least at least gives you something there <laughs> like he's yeah, something yeah. to hold hold down the fort because we did that too we looked at the tiers and like it got really grim like were you going to go through a season and start one of these guys who's never started a game before never yeah. played never done anything like you'd have been you'd have been lucky to be three and 13 which maybe if that's what you want but like that's how malaise is going to set in like this isn't i don't think you you need to like lie to anybody here. I don't think you need to go into this situation and, you know, Jared Goff's probably not coming here thinking like, this is okay. I'm going to be the Lions quarterback for the next 10 years. No questions asked. Like he's got what two years on his deal left that basically the Lions, you know, more or less have an out with him. I believe that's been reported, right? Or at least financially, it makes more sense. Yeah. After 2022, um, you know, they can move on from Jared Goff and it's not going to be that painful. Um, But, you know, they probably need to, stick with him through through that point. I guess that you know we've had, we've been asked that like can they can they flip him? Can they trade him? Um you know I suppose that's possible. I don't know how that would work from a cap standpoint, but like he'd have to compete for anything he's going to do and he's already been told like you know in no uncertain terms like they still might take a quarterback this year. If they don't take one this year, I would expect they probably take one next year unless golf is like a revelation or something. So he has an opportunity, but it's not promised and it's not guaranteed. So from what you're saying, and it makes a lot of sense. Like you have, you hear, you have a guy who came into league in 2016 at the end of 
uh, at the end of a dead regime that was uh, was that John Fossil or I don't remember who that was at the Fisher? time. Was that Fisher? Fisher, one of those Fisher guys, into Fossil? Yeah, it was one of those. In like uh, sixteen, so you know you're you're coming into the end of a dead regime, one that's dying off, it's not working out. You were the number one pick, everything else, whatever that might be, your first round pick anyway. And then the very next year, they bring in this you know young youngest coach ever who's super eager to show everyone what he can do from a play calling standpoint. He suddenly becomes the guy who's in your ear giving you audibles with four seconds left on the play clock. And <laughs> you know what? Like it worked because Goff was a young quarterback who needed some direction. McVay gave him a ton. They pushed it to the Super Bowl. And then it got to a point where Goff's limitations, you know, were boxing in McVay. That's what seemed to happen there. And one guy wanted to grow, you know, a lot faster and take more shots and be more aggressive. And one guy was like, well, I'm trying. You need to slow down. You need to maybe work a little bit more with me. I don't know how that all worked. We weren't there. But no, you have a great point because it wasn't that long ago that someone put together a plan for this guy and he executed it and he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. Like that that happened. That wasn't accidental. Sean McVay was not out there making all those throws. He, did, You know what I mean? Like uh, Goff was... 15 touchdowns, two picks that year on play action. That's Those are his throws. Those are not McVay's. Those are calls. Those are adjustments, whatever. But he's still got to do it play-to-play play, time and time. And, and you go back and you watch 2017 and 2018 on some of the things where you see nowadays where if they have a high-low read and Goff passes on the deep shot and takes the underneath, which has become his default as he's got you know gotten less and less confident, I, su- I assume. But if you go back in 17 and 18, he's still taking shots. I mean, it's on there. He's, he does it. It's just not as much. Whereas Stafford, that's all he does. He's all arm. He's <laughs> right, all that's gas. The for Stafford. Yeah, yep. no breaks. The whole thing, all the time. Goff can do it. He doesn't do it all the time. I think a lot of it just needs to be a young guy that still needs to find his own identity in the league. His identity in the league was attached completely to McVay. I mean, we see the pictures of Jared Goff standing at the line of scrimmage, listening to McVay, shouting in his ears as as he's standing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he got made fun of for it and everything else. And maybe that's all Jared Goff is, and that'll be revealed. We'll see. But like, we'll see. Is the point? I don't know. I, we don't. We don't really know that yet. The sample size isn't that big, and uh, there's too many. There's too much good stuff in the recent past for me to just completely say this guy's a complete waste or a mess. Like, so I think it's fair to watch and see. And I think that yeah, I think Anthony Lynn's offense. That's the reason kind of why you hire him because I think it fits around a lot of different players. And even if you wanted to bring in a rookie this year and let him sit and learn the offense, he could still do that, and he doesn't have to be exactly like Jared Goff. And I think that's beneficial as well. Uh, to be fair, Jared Goff was quite poor over the second half of this past year. Like really there bad. is a lot really, of really bad, bad tape out yeah. there on Jared Goff. Yeah. So if he's just totally regressed mm. to a point where it's not fixable, and that's the guy could, you're getting, could be. Yeah, that's right. not gonna be good. That yeah. that's the, that's when you have to draft a quarterback now, and you have to move on. Like Goff, and you just eat the contract and sit Goff on the bench. Uh, and to the, you know, the financials of it. Uh, they could move him, and it wouldn't cost them anything on the cap right now to move him. But you know, you got to find someone then willing to take on that contract and give give up whatever they'd be giving up to get him. So what the Lions would owe at the moment is uh, around twenty eight million this year in base salary and his roster bonus, which is guaranteed. And then next year, his fifteen and a half million dollar roster bonus is guaranteed. So they'd have to eat that, I guess, if they were. Uh, you know, yeah. so in theory, they could move on next year. You'd just be taking that hit. You'd be taking right. a 15 and a half million dollar hit if you released him or whatever. But, and I think that that's part of the difficulty of picking him up. Not even so much that you have him, because I think if you, again, if, like you said, if you look at the, you know, quote unquote bridge quarterback options, uh, Jared Goff, if, if we had included him probably would have been right up there at the top of that list, I would yeah. assume. I mean, it was Tyrod Taylor and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston, and I think there's at least upside in golf that's not there in a lot of those guys. So, um, But you're taking on $28 million plus Stafford's dead money of 19 or whatever it is. So in a year when the cap's going to be not exploding the way it does some offseason, it's going to be like $180 million. You've got some big contracts on the books. Now you're committing – 45 to 50 million to the quarterback spot and you can understand why mm-hmm. you know they're sort of looking at this season and thinking all right well you know we're gonna be a little hamstrung with with what we can do and Dan Campbell said that on Sunday too he said you know 
Part of the reason why I'm bringing in this coaching staff is because we're going to have to really quickly coach up and develop these guys. We might end up with a bunch of, you know, draft picks or college free agents that have to play big, big minutes next year because Mm -hmm. we just don't have the money to go spend in free agency. And so um, from that perspective, too, like I, I don't think it's much of a a secret. And, you know, this could change depending on what if they draft a quarterback or what they do in the future. But this just this general sense you get from Dan Campbell early on, and especially in bringing in Anthony Lynn, a guy who, when he was the Buffalo coordinator, you know, for that stretch, and then in in L.A. and San Diego, like, that's a team that's going to run the football a lot. They want to run the ball here. You know, they want to sort of – they want to do some of the things Matt Patricia tried to do and never yeah. could, you know, run the ball, control the clock. And so if Goff just sort of settles down, eliminates some of the turnovers, and can distribute the ball out to – Swift and Hawkinson and whoever the other running back is and whoever your slot receiver is, maybe you hang in some of these games a little longer than you you could if he can just do that. I don't think you need him to come here and be Stafford. Like, that's not the plan. No, and I think it's important to note, like, there's a difference between watching a team that might not be um, having a great year, let's say, uh, but is is a young team that is (laughs) building and is growing and is sort of taking its lumps and stride and, you know, you can find some of the positives or the silver linings. That is such a different feeling from what folks just watched here the last, like, two years where they, like, loaded up in free agency, they had a bunch of veterans that they brought in, and they still sucked and were horrible to watch every week. It's a completely different situation. So when you're looking at it, and I feel like a lot of fans have looked at it like this, like, no, they're not going to be good next year. Like, they weren't going to be good in any scenario. Had Stafford come back, it would have nothing, it would have been bad. They would have struggled. It would have been, you know, maybe a little bit better, I guess, but like, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been great. But at the, at the same time, if you want to just gut everything out and start over completely, man, that's really hard to do and really hard to motivate people if your quarterback is like a guy who can't complete a pass or a guy who's never started a game and you're just like, well, we gave up at that spot because we needed to, uh, you know, make sure that we could pay for all these other projects and everything else down the line. Like, you got to at least have some semblance of like, we're trying to compete a little bit here week to week. And I think that Goff certainly gives them that. Yeah, I mean, because you need, I mean, you want the fan base to buy in. And I think some of the transparency around this has been refreshing too. I think that'll help if they continue to to just be honest about what this is and why they're making the moves that they make. But I also think, I mean, you need players to buy in too. Like, if you you want to re sign Kenny Galladay, Mm -hmm. you can't say, all right, uh, Chase Daniel's going to be your quarterback. (laughs) Right. We're going to try and get this thing rolling by 2024. Like, what? I mean, the. Money sure helps, but you yeah, know eventually right. you've got to have something to sell. And so I think golf, you at least say, "Look, this is a guy who I'm not going to go down the the QB wins yeah, <laughs> right. road, but this is a guy who's played in a Super Bowl. He's yeah. won in the playoffs. He's played in some big games. He beat this Lions team <laughs> pretty handily. Yeah, um, you know, like this is a guy that we know can be competent if we coach him up well and we put some pieces around him, and if we you know just get our right quarterback play." And we play really hard and, you know, all the other Dan Campbell rah-rah stuff. Like, I think people will be okay watching that because, I th- like, you're right. I think it's it's like it's like the Pistons games this year, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're 5-15 and 15 or whatever. But every night they're out there and the games are going down to the wire and they're playing hard. and Somebody's uh, doing something. Yeah, And so growing. that's what you want to yeah. see. Like, if you could see, you're right. Like, if they have a good draft this year where those guys aren't, aren't just playing because there's no one else to play, but you mm-hmm. see them get better from week one to week 17 and the offense is competent. And, you know, I mean, I think that I think people will be okay with that yeah. for at least a year. If you sort yeah, of well, right. see Great. the light at the end of the tunnel again. And I think I would note again, like it's important to remember the Rams gave Jared Goff that extension. The Rams <laughs> right. were the ones right. Sean McVay, Les need. And you know, Brad Holmes was there too. So fair enough. But the the Rams gave him that extension. They decided, you know, that he was going to be their franchise quarterback. They decided that was the money they were going to put into him. That was not the Lions did not do that. They took his deal on. It's got an out. They can get out. This is not them. And I think that it's important to say this again. That trade was not Stafford for Goff. That was Stafford for the future. That was Stafford for the future of your franchise. 
Goff, if he's part of it, we'll see. If he's not, oh well. Like, I think that that's how you need to look at this situation. He is absolutely a bridge quarterback today. He could change that, but only he is going to change that. I think that's how I look at this. I assume that's how the Lions look at this. I would assume that if you ask Dan Campbell the same thing in an honest moment, and he may never be able to not have an honest moment. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> From what we know <laughs> exactly, so far, right. he'd probably tell you the same thing. So I think that you have a unique situation, and you have one that, I mean, hey, it's opportunity. You're telling Jared Goff, like, look, man, you just got trashed this last year. Everybody thinks you suck. Everybody thinks you're a bust and you're done and you're over. Like, here's your opportunity right now to prove that that's not true. Did the Lions play the Rams this year? I think they do, right? Like, they do, yeah, out there. Hey, man, let's go let it rip and see what happens. That'd be funny, <laughs> right? Like, that's what you tell them. Like, I, I think Dan Campbell and his personality is going to be great for somebody like Jared Goff. It sure seems like it anyway. And I would agree with the same thing with Anthony Lynn. I think it's a good setup. I think he's going to have a good chance here. We'll see about weapons and everything else around him. But, you know, for repairing himself mentally, I think that he's in an opportunity to start fresh. And you never know. It's I think it's just important to keep noting that they're not they're not anchored to him the way that the Rams were forever. You know what I mean? They don't have to sit here and be like, oh, God, we have seven more years. Like, no, like that's not necessarily the case. So uh, I think that that's important to keep in mind as this goes forward. Yeah, and and just one last time. I mean, I think everything's still on the table for them. But to circle back to what where we started, I think that getting Goff back and getting someone that you know can at least start sixteen games for you, and that's the other thing. He's been mm-hmm. pretty durable. I mean, he just yep. played in the playoffs; his thumb was falling off, and he played in the playoffs. Yep. You know, he's been a durable guy. You know, he can go out there and play for you. Um, I, I think again, it sort of opens up the options for you, and that's what you know. I. When I talked to Campbell, because this trade isn't official till March 17th, he's not allowed to yeah. comment directly on it. So I was trying to like mm-hmm. ask around it in ways that maybe the answers would make sense. And so I, you know, he, he had said at his press conference when he got introduced, someone had asked him, you know, do you need excellence at quarterback to win at this position? And he said, no, but, you know, tell me who the other guy is. Tell me what else we have around him. And so I kind yeah. of circled back to that question and said, so. Let's say, you know, hypothetically, you don't have <laughs> elite quarterback anymore. How do you make up for that? And he sort of talked about their draft process, which I thought was interesting. And he said, you know, we're looking for that guy who's going to be here like Stafford for 12 years. You want to have that guy, but we can't reach for that guy. Exactly. Like if we fall in love with someone, we'll take him. But, you know, if we're split down the middle... It's the quote. If, we, if we're split down the middle, he's not for us. I don't want to chase a quarterback. I want somebody we know we love and can help us. And then he said, you know, he talked about how you really need to have a foundation in place. You really need to have a core. You need to be drafting best player available. Just whoever your favorite player is at that spot in the round, that's who you should be taking every time and forget about what position he plays. And so I, I think that that having golf prevents them from feeling like getting to seven and just panicking and taking yeah. whatever quarterback is there because they don't have a starting quarterback. So if that's nothing a, else, that's what golf gets you. That's, and that's something. Yeah. That's a great way of framing it because their options are, they have like so many times in, in recent years, we've looked at lions drafts and said like, well, like they might get there and panic and remember that they need X, Y, and Z. And while that might be nice, they have no choice and they have to take right they don't have to do anything in this draft. Like, there's no, there's nothing. There's no pressure to say, like, you have to take Micah Parsons at seven. Like, you don't have to do anything. You could trade to 20. You could take anybody at thick waddle if you want. It doesn't matter. Like, you build a team around your quarterback at this point. Like, that, like to, t- to Campbell's point, that's what they're in position to do now, is build a team around a quarterback. At some point, you do have to pick a lane, and I can get behind his logic to a degree, but at some point, you know, that can has to stop being kicked. But, you know, sure. for right now, 100% agree. And it gives them the opportunity in the draft to go anywhere they want to go. And I mean anywhere. They can do anything they want. Obviously, they need more help defensively. We know that. But, like, with all the capital they have to work with the next couple of years, we've been asked this a few times. I'm sure we can ask it the questions. Like, people have asked, do they have enough to go run through all these oh, picks we got Oh, we got asked right? it. We so got asked. Yeah. We can get into it later. But, I mean, they've got a ton of <laughs> options for sure. It's a, It's not a bad spot to be in. So yeah, as Nick mentioned, uh, you know, I tossed out on Twitter that we were going to be recording today. I asked if you guys had any questions because this is usually our day that we do our uh, during the season we do our you know subscriber sure. Q and A's on the site. So I just thought if we had anything, um, and we got a lot back, so mm-hmm. I won't get to all of them unfortunately. But um, did just want to hit a few of these questions. Uh, well, here I'll start with this one because and then we can get into the nitty gritty. Okay. Uh, 
Did you guys both like the Royal Rumble? Yeah. Uh, no, it was like one of the worst ones ever, I thought. But that's just <laughs> This me. is all you. I don't yeah. I don't I have no working knowledge of this. I don't area. really watch anymore. I just the Royal Rumble's always a fun one to watch. It's a year yearly thing. But no, I was not a big fan. If anyone out there disagrees, we can talk about it separately. I was not, I was not a big fan of it. Uh, so we got a couple questions about how Lynn fits into the system, which um you know, we we sort of covered. I, we did get a couple on what you were just hinting at. Does this give the Lions enough ammunition to go up? I mean, the questions were specifically about to Jacksonville at yeah, one. Does this right. give them enough ammunition to go up there? But I think that there's at least a conversation, I guess, to be had about, you know, the Jets at two, especially if the Jets end up somehow getting Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. uh, or Miami at three. Like, do they have enough ammunition now to say, all right, we want – Trevor Lawrence, or we want Zach Wilson, and we have all these picks. Let's use them. Let's go get them. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> mm, yeah, Lawrence, I don't know. That's the great question because we don't know. I assume that Jacksonville's like no questions asked. Lawrence taken feels it. like a no to me. Yeah. <laughs> Number one feels like a no. It's probably a no, um, but like you do have three first round picks, and one of them is seven. So I would say that it's probably a no, but like it's also probably something that. You know, if you like Trevor Lawrence, and I think everyone does, maybe you make a phone call and see what happens. If you get hung up on in five seconds as opposed to 10 or whatever, I don't know. But that could be a bit much. Um, at the same time, you know, you're talking about the Jets and into three. I think that, you know, we kind of talked about this the other day. I think that they probably would, depending on those situations. But, like, that would also signal that they're saying Fields and or Wilson would be, you know, they have to have one or the other. They would love, they're falling in love with one of those guys. So they for sure want to get them and they don't want to risk it. So Which I don't know. It's possible. I mean, it's it could possible. happen. Yeah. Two, two is a little like the Jets would have to do something that takes them out of the conversation because it feels like they would need to draft a quarterback if they're not getting Watson. But, you know, three, I mean, why not Miami? If Miami's going to stick with Tua, which I don't know if that's promised either. Uh, I would think that they would have enough, but you know, we'll see. Trevor is the interesting one, though, right? Because I just they, I don't think Jacksonville's talked about it much because Urban Meyer just got there, but um, I assume that's what they're doing. But I, it's Urban, so who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, I, you're right. I think if you call and say, "Look, here's our seven. Here's the two Rams first rounders they gave us." Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good package that's for anyone who's listening. Like that, yeah. I think you'd at least have to run that up the flagpole if you're the Jaguars or the right. Jets and say, all right, are we sure, 100% sure that we're committing our franchise to this guy, this yeah. quarterback? Because if not, here's our we can pick six spots lower and have extra first-rounders. Right. So I think maybe you call. I'd be shocked if they get to one. But, uh, you know, to go back to the golf conversation, Brad Holmes was one of the guys who really pounded the table for the Rams to go all in and go get golf in the first place. And that was because – they didn't see, uh, you know, a long-term future at the quarterback position in LA at that moment, and so they wanted to go get a guy that they thought could be that that player. Right. And so maybe, maybe they, they look at the board again. and say, yeah. "Look, here, our board is one is Lawrence, two is Fields, and then there's a huge drop off, and I don't know mm-hmm. what to do after that." Maybe they yeah. do see that, so I think it's possible they do have enough to make that call interesting, at least. And it's important to note, like as we went through the draft, you know. Uh, if you move down, like there's just not like seven through 19 isn't like crazy different in value. So like you could move down, you can move up. I mean, there's just a lot of things. I think it's all it's all on the table for the most part. Lawrence is the one thing that I'm not sure. But everything else I think would be on the table. Uh, so here's an interesting one. Um from uh, Jimmy on Twitter. Uh, has Holmes set up his scouting department yet, or is that part of the reason, along with there not being a combine, they opted to defer draft picks to the future years? So this is interesting. I've had people ask this a couple times, and yes and no on the scouting department thing. He hasn't really made any... I mean, they brought in Agnew, and they brought in yeah. John Dorsey. So those are significant hires at the top of the mm-hmm. front office. He hasn't done a lot yet beyond that at the lower levels to the scouting department. He's, um, you know, Kyle O'Brien, Rob Lohman, Lance Newmark are all still in place. Those were the three internal candidates out of the front office who interviewed for GM. Um, Jimmy Ray, who was a senior personnel executive, is is not there any longer. I get, you know, in, sort of entitled. Dorsey's kind of stepped into that, but um, but the scout scouting system as of you know february 2nd as we're recording is still the same 
as it was under Bob Quinn in terms of the people who are doing the actual scouting. You know, obviously yeah. Dorsey and Ag Dorsey especially is going to play a huge role here over the next couple months. He he drove down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, like mm-hmm. semi kind of on his own, <laughs> just to be there for the Lions. <laughs> Holmes actually did uh, sneak down there for a day. It sounds like maybe that's where the the Panthers trade talks were happening. But yeah. um, so. I think this is an interesting talking point because I don't. I think once you get through the draft, my guess is he probably will bring in some scouts that he's more familiar with. But this is a tough time to be doing that, not just because you don't want to shake up everything that the Lions have already done for the past you know ten months on this draft. But I think it's hard to go get people out of yeah. L.A. or wherever and and try to pull them over as this is happening while they're under contract somewhere else and trying to prepare for a draft. So. Um, I think at the moment he's sort of just trying to work his system into place as much as possible while kind of merging it with what Bob Quinn had in place. And then for 2021, we'll see sort of the full scope of it. So they are kind of in this weird gray area where that line of thinking uh, makes some sense to me that maybe mm-hmm. they just said, all right, we're, this year is going to be really tough. Let's do the best we can, and then let's just kill it the next two years. I think that's possible that that was part of the thinking here. Could be, and you know that we'll see, right? Maybe that dictates how aggressive they are with trading, or maybe they just sit put this year. I mean, that you know that could be the case too. But also important to note that you know Brad Holmes has said a couple times now uh, he's quite familiar with this draft class in terms of yeah, right. uh, who can play and who can't. So I think that that's important to note. But to your point, that that could impact maybe we'll, what we see them do. Uh, in terms of, do you want to load up in this draft, or do you want to keep what you have and see if you can do that next year? I don't know. You know, we'll see what happens. Uh, so we had a, a couple questions about um, what this means for some of the other big names that may or may not be leaving the Lions, and specifically Galladay and Romeo Okwara, in terms of both the cap space the Lions uh-huh. now have and whether or not you're spending big money to resign guys as you're entering what seems to be a rebuild, even as they're yeah. not calling it that. So I don't know. Do you have any uh, any thoughts on what the Stafford uh, trade means there? Well, I think that it's important to remember that they still need to get out of some deals. Yes. Um, and I think that that, in some ways, needs to take as much priority as some of this other stuff. So Okwara, I guess, again, like we, we haven't gotten back much into this because there's so many things have happened, but it's still going to be interesting to see what he – sort of attracts out there based on what he was able to do last season. And, you know, with a guy like that, you know, I don't know. I mean, if your if your defense is going to be exclusively, you know, odd front and, you know, do you want to – and you're starting over with some other things and some other areas, do you want to reinvest in him at this point or do you want to just move? I don't know. So that's one where it's like that would have to be a difficult conversation – and Kenny would also have to probably be a difficult-ish conversation, but maybe maybe not as much. I guess you probably need to see, like, do you want to be part of a, part of this? You're 27. We're rebuilding. We're, we don't know quite where we're going, but, like, we're not going to do this if you don't want to be here. Like, if you are, are, are going to reveal that you don't want to catch passes from golf or be in a situation that we don't know who our long-term answer at quarterback is, then we're just not going to do this. Like, and if that's the case, I would say – with, with Galladay, then it's like, then you need to figure out a way to get to move on from that. But like, if he does want to be here and, you know, he said that a couple times, I think last year, right. That he mm-hmm. wanted to be in Detroit. Of course that was with Stafford still on the team. <laughs> and that's, it was more understandable when Stafford was here, it'd be less, it'd be more understandable if he didn't want to be here now. So, you know, that's one where that would have to be a, the, the Galladay one, maybe more so, but I think even both of them are going to have to be conversations because Aquara could get, you know, into the double digit millions here. I mean, it could be, it could be a lot. So, you know, is he that good to a point where you're, you know, you think that you're rebuilding and you can rebuild around him a little bit, you know, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's maybe takes on a different layer and a different type of conversation. But I think with both those guys, it's, it's certainly interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think um, the Galladay one, I still think you've got to consider the tag and trade if he's going to yeah. leave like or if you don't want to resign him like if you don't think that you're right yes you want to like i don't think you can just let him walk and try to think oh maybe we'll get a compensatory pick uh yeah. down the line i think you got to try and take advantage of what you've got here with that whether you keep him or not and i think it'd be it still makes a ton of sense to keep him i mean he's still a really good wide receiver yeah. and uh, you know you're going to need a number one guy and i think that if you can get him signed for something semi-reasonable 
uh, you try to do that. I mean, the, the tough part is, as was the second part of that question, um, the cap space is is tricky uh, because, and, and this is the other part of the March 17th, you know, start of the new league year, uh, both teams have to um, be in compliance with the cap. Like they have to have space to add these guys to their roster. So the right. Rams are taking on Stafford's 20 million for this mm-hmm. year. They have to have that room. The Lions have to have the 28 million uh, to get golf under there. They'll roll over some money from last year too. I think the Lions can roll over like 12 or 13 million um, from last year. So if, if that's, if that's where they wind up, they, you know, they'd have to shed like, I don't know, two or 3 million, depending on where the cap lands and they're going to cut some guys and they'll probably restructure some stuff. So, you know, you can make up some room, but uh, to tack on Galladay at f- 16 million, <laughs> that yeah. sort of puts you in a, in a bit of a bind. So I don't know. Um, that That is a really interesting conversation for Brad Holmes to have here, especially when we keep seeing how many incoming rookie wide receivers step in and make an impact. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Okora, you're right. I think Okora is really just, are you... Is he asking you for three years and thirty million, or can mm-hmm. you get him for three years and eighteen million? Because I think that that's a big difference. Um, yeah, it's it's. A, do you think he's foundational or not? I guess because it's like, you know, at this point, and maybe you do. Maybe if or you, does anyone else? I mean, I think yeah, that's going to be viewed yeah. as a foundational guy if he gets to the market, and I don't know that he like will I, either. Yeah, I don't know if he's a guy that you you look at as like he's going to come in and be the missing piece between us and like the final push. I don't think he's. I don't think he is that. Um, and that would maybe be where a guy's contract gets a little out of control. Maybe he would be, I don't know, but like, that's where sometimes, sometimes those markets go a little crazy, but you know, I mean, I, you have to be careful with that one. I, I would say I, I would be less concerned about him not wanting to be here. Whereas Galladay, I mean, his reasons for not wanting to be here would be completely justified. I mean, not that, you know, Aquarius wouldn't be, but Galladay's would be much more so. That would be a little more concerning. It would just be about what you value him as a you know, player, which was with the core. I mean, they were going to have to have that conversation anyway, so I don't think it changes sure. a whole lot. Uh, so um, just to hit a couple more here, and this is sort of on the Okora question. We had one, um, and this is something we've talked about a little bit too, but how many of the current guys on defense, now that we've had a little time to look at it, and Aaron Glenn's in as the coordinator, how many of those current guys on the two deep are – guys that are still going to be here in two years <laughs> are yeah. guys that you're counting on to be around. Um, and the question uh, specifically mentioned Penasini, Walker, Okuda, and maybe Jared Davis, and then asked mm. about Okora and Bryant. I I don't know how long your list is there. I don't think it's <laughs> much deeper than that, or if it's even that deep, right? It's not. No. I mean, you know, We've sort of touched on a few of these. Yeah, Okuda, you really don't have a choice. And, you know, you shouldn't be trying to get out of that one. <laughs> anyway, I mean, he's obviously going to be here. Um, you know, a guy like you mentioned, Penasini, is is for cheap. And I guess we'll see. Walker is still somebody who is talented enough to where, you know, I'm willing to to see what happens here if, you know, you're going to let him be a free safety and let him be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, sure. I totally can get behind that. But at the same time, I'd also say in the next breath, like Aaron Glenn needs to get the, get the flip or the switch flip with Tracy Walker. Like we can't be here anymore. Like, well, I'm not in the right position or this didn't, you know, it was a coach's fault or any of that. Like he's in go time now. So like, I don't know if I would say Tracy Walker for two years down the road, because I think this year feels like a pretty big year for someone like him. And, you know, guys like Davis, I think you'd have to maybe repurpose and see what happens, right? Like, Dan, I'm, I'm, Dan Campbell you know, loves I, that dude, man. Yeah, and He's... you understand why. I mean, he plays so hard; he runs through a wall. I just don't know what you would do with him. I mean, if you if you changes his role and whatever else, I, I, but he still has fundamental issues with you know fitting run like run gaps in any kind of setting. Uh, he still has issues with getting lost in coverage in general. Although at times I thought he was a little better. This year than he was last year, still not great. <laughs> Probably better than Tavai, but that's another situation uh, as well. That's not really something that you're gonna hang on to. So you know, Awarie would be one that I think has a chance. Obviously, um, you're still gonna pay Flowers. I think no matter what. Yeah, beyond- Flowers is here for at least one and probably yeah. two. So beyond that, though, it's tough. And like that's where if you could repurpose somebody like Davis or Tavai or Will Harris. Like if you could repurpose one or two of those three players into something usable, 
and semi-valuable, then I think it's a win. Like, I just don't know if that's going to happen. Like, Will Harris is a pre- Will Harris and Tavai, for me, are the ones, I guess, where you look at and you say, okay, they were high draft picks. They spent a ton on these guys. Like, you really ideally would like them to do something for you before their rookie contracts are over. So if you could help or if you could figure out something with either of those guys, that'd be huge. But I, I just don't know if that's in the cards. That just doesn't seem... Harris... I don't know. What do you think about Will Harris? I mean, uh, is there anything else that he could do? I mean, he wasn't a mess at, like we talked about this, he wasn't a mess at Boston College, but it never fit here for a number of different reasons. I mean, maybe a reset would be in order for Will Harris. Maybe if his mind clears up, I don't know. Like, is that Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm trying to read the tea leaves whenever people in the organization or Campbell or Holmes speak about, like, well, we think there's a few guys on that defense that we could fix. And I, I, when Campbell talks about the coaching staff, I mean, I think that that's a legitimate Sure. Argument. Uh, even Jared Davis, you look at, he had multiple defensive coordinators at Florida. He came here. Terrell Austin was the coordinator. Then he had Paul Pascaloni. Then he had Corey Undlin. Like, this has been a revolving door for him for his entire football career dating back through college. So yeah. maybe if you get, if Aaron Glenn's as good as advertised and you uh, bring in some position coaches that, um, you know, they just brought over a, a blanket, Mark DeLeon. Uh, mm-hmm. to coach linebackers from the Bears who, the Bears, yeah. you know, I'm not saying Jared Davis is going to suddenly be Roquan Smith, but certainly the Bears <laughs> yeah. got something out of Roquan Smith. And, um, you know, maybe maybe just stabilizing the coaching staff and the scheme gets you some answers from these guys. I do think Will Harris is interesting, and that's another guy who I just – he we haven't really seen him cover anyone no. at all in his career. But if you go back to college, like – you know, his rookie year, they traded Quandre Diggs and then they wound up with some injuries and he was playing like single high a lot. Oh, and yeah. that is not no. his game at all. He's like, like his upside to me is like uh, maybe what Tavon Wilson was or like what J. Ron Curse was last year. Like yeah, sort like of that Kurtz. hybrid yeah. linebacker role, like the yeah. overhang type guy, you know, just someone who can be down near the box and give you a physical presence. You cannot have him turning and running with slot guys uh you're gonna get burned every time even speedy tight ends we've seen how that's worked out but i do think that there's something there and you know not to get not to go through this point by point but they also again you know you're close to 50 million at quarterback you've got flowers cap hit is you know almost 20 million for next year jamie collins if you can't find someone to take him off your Mm. hands is uh 11 million plus um Vitae's there for 10 million like you're gonna have to keep some of these cheaper guys and yeah. hope they work out and Will Harris is kind of in that camp and and to Vi, like Julian O'Quara hand even um, yeah hands a good one too to say like you yeah. need a bunch of these guys to step up and just be usable pieces for mm-hmm. you next year and so I think that that's possible <laughs> like I don't think Will Harris is just never going to be a contributor. Like, I think there's some upside there. I just don't know. It's been very hard to see any potential in anyone the yeah. last two years, frankly. Yeah. Because I mean, they've just been digging out of a hole. Like they just, they fell into a hole immediately and spent th- three years with Patricia digging out of it. And, you know, I mean, we've been over all the stuff about his refusal to adjust and, you know, this guy's here to do this and it's not going to change. And, all that, and you know, maybe yeah, maybe a fresh coat of paint on Jared Davis with a different. May, who knows, right? I don't, I don't. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I'm not going to put visions out there that you're going to be able to turn Jared Davis from you know what we've seen into something that's like so great. And nor nor should that be the expectation. But I, yeah, I just wonder if if you could figure out a way to you know use Will Harris in a way that was you know that's somewhat productive because last year was just a complete mess. And then you mentioned, you know, the year before, none of it has worked uh, either way for him. Same with Tavai. Like, those are premium draft picks that you spent money on, you know, like, and you're still spending money on, and you are you need them to work. Um, because starting over after, you know, wasting those picks is not a great alternative. So if you can get those guys to kind of turn around, you know, if you could get something more out of Vita even. You got to pay him. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're going to be able to get rid of him. I mean, that's something to where you look at a guy like that and say, like, maybe you can. Maybe you can get something more out of him. It's not impossible that he's better than what we saw. We just don't know. He was hurt from basically day one last year. He didn't have a chance. So not impossible, but um, a lot of that's going to depend on, yeah, the, the staff and, and what they can maybe creatively look at that or 
unlock some things. And I, I don't want to get too deep into the, like, you know, all these guys are mentally destroyed from all the time with Patricia. <laughs> you know, he was such an yeah. evil, like this isn't a, this isn't a high school team. Right. So I think that it's important to keep that in mind too. Like these are, <laughs> these are professional adults. Like they, a lot of this has to be on them. Uh, and I think that, you know, we'll see uh, if, if they can kind of turn it around, the coaches can give them a chance, but ultimately we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, uh, I think that's a good spot to end. I appreciate all the questions. I'll try to get some to some of the ones that we uh, didn't talk about. I'll try to get back to you on Twitter over the next day or so here. Uh, you can find the podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, wherever, uh, you know, other than the athletic app, wherever you happen to listen to podcasts <laughs> and let us know if there's somewhere uh, we're not showing up. We'll, we'll make sure you get down there. We appreciate everyone who has subscribed and rated, reviewed us so far. Uh, definitely head over to theathletic.com. Check out um, whatever our subscription deal is right, right now, and I'm sure we'll continue to have those uh, over the next couple months as we get closer to the draft. And you know, we're still uh, unpacking this trade and sort of where the roster's at moving forward. So we'll have plenty of content for you uh, over the next couple of weeks, just kind of setting up this off season and and where the Lions might go. So. Make sure you get over to theathletic.com. Thanks to everyone who already subscribes over there, too. So we'll wrap there for this week. We'll be back sometime in the near future here to, to reset where the Lions are. Yep. Uh, we'll see. But Yeah, but for now, I'm uh, Chris Burke along with Nick Baumgartner. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.